Gracious Father, we thank you that you have welcomed us. Welcomed us into your family. You welcome children into your family. Lord, we come to you not with our power, our wealth, our resources. We come to you not with our pride of our accomplishments. We come to you open, open of our brokenness and our sin, open to our failures and our suffering and our sadness and our grief, open with you, Lord, of our wandering heart. Lord, to say thank you for welcoming us to your table, welcoming us for a meal to remember your son and remember sacrifices and life and hope and forgiveness. We come to you, Lord, now as your children, as, as we gather around your word, we open our hearts and our minds that we would be transformed by your spirit, attentive to what you would say to us. Lord, that you would awaken our faith and stir us to walk faithfully with you. Thank you for the life and death and resurrection of Jesus and the hope that we now share in him. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I hope that the last sermon series was something that was uh, simple and encouraging to you. Oh, Kids Church. Yes. Thank you. Kids Church, get out of here. Thanks, Eli. Adios, amigos. Have fun. Be good for Emily. All right. I forgot about that. Thank you. Uh, I hope the last sermon series was uh, simple, encouraging, and just a great reminder that we're called to love our neighbors. I hope that uh, you are doing that, and when you have these sort of God victories and moments with your neighbors, if you would just shoot me a note and saying, hey, here's how I've seen God working in it, uh, and just, just be encouraging to one another to go out and reach out to our neighbors and love and encourage them. I want to start a new series. Uh, I'm calling it uh, Jesus Is, uh, or I, I was just going to call it Better, uh, but I felt like uh, that was confusing maybe, but in the book of Hebrews, that's what we're going to study, it's the book of Hebrews, uh, 13 times the word better is used, a better priest, a better covenant, a better promise, better country, better resurrection, and all over and over again, it's ways in which Jesus is better. And I felt like we needed to have this sort of encouragement, this reminder that Jesus really is better, that Jesus is one that we can cling to and, and put our hope in, that we need this sort of encouragement, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through him. And the gospel of Hebrews, the gospel message of Hebrews, is that Jesus is better in all of these ways, that he draws us nearer to God, that he reconciles us, that we have hope in God, and that we can restore our faith in these promises. And so my, my hope is, is that just as Hebrews is an exhortation to faithfulness and trusting in God and seeing that Jesus is better, that we would see that for ourselves again and be reminded of it. I was reflecting on 
uh, my message for this morning, and I was thinking about uh, just a way to maybe draw you into the point for today's message, and uh, one of the things I was thinking about was uh, becoming a factory worker. I was thinking about uh, uh, being a factory worker, and there is a reason why God uh, has called me into ministry and not factory work. Uh, it's because I would, after one week, lose both of my arms. I'm convinced of it. Um, my mind, I don't know if you've picked up on this, my mind wanders. And if I were to have to do the same thing over and over again, and like if there was a press involved or something going on, or like if I had to be responsible for like other people and like safety, I'm pretty sure I would fail and my arms would be like in a press somewhere and it would be awful. And I'm not, hear that not in a like, in a neg or like, I, I feel awful for those who have had that experience. I know that I would be one of them. So I don't mean that in any disregard or in any way that I don't care about those people, obviously. But, um, but I say that uh, because there would be something that the supervisor would say to me over and over again. He would say, Jordan, pay attention. Redirect focus. Brad and I, we've been coaching uh, uh, little softball girls. Uh, every once in a while, you see one of these numbers, right? And then one of these. And they're just sort of sitting in the grass. And what do we yell at them, Brad? Pay attention, you know, and, you know, focus. You know, we don't want a softball to the face. The book of Hebrews is about waking people up to pay attention. And what I have found in my life is, and maybe you find this to be true, but when you go through activities that you just sort of like, do over and over again, you sort of need the reminder to pay attention. That's what the rumble strips are on the road. <laughs> pay attention, right? We've all been there, you know. I don't know if any one of you have not hit the rumble strips before. If you drive Michigan roads, they're all rumble strips. This is what, this is what my experience has been driving home uh, last couple of weeks. The roads are terrible. But in life, it's about these reminders of paying attention, the rumble strips of life. Things are sort of veering off. You don't want to drift off. You need to pay attention and refocus. When we do something over and over and over again, sometimes need to be jolted back into the reality of paying attention. When we, uh, when we think about worship, when we think about our walk with God, the sort of routines that we find ourselves in, every once in a while we sort of just get into a sort of rut. Are we paying attention. I was trying to pay as much attention to God this morning as I could, knowing that I was going to ask all of you to pay attention. But it's this challenge, this encouragement, our, our hearts awakened to God and what he's doing. Is your heart paying attention to God? Is your mind paying attention to God? The opening of the book of Hebrews is a preacher who we don't know his name or her name. We don't know who wrote this message. But we get a sense of what's going on with the people through what the preacher starts preaching about. And he would, uh, he would examine the flock and the congregation, and he's examining their hearts. And there are a few things that are happening that he's just like, we need to fix this. We need to redirect this if we're going to be faithful to Christ. One of the issues is, is that they haven't been growing in their faith. They've sort of been stuck. 
some of them are reverting back to old ways and, and just kind of like not really following Christianity as it was prescribed. They were falling back into old habits and old ways and just wondering, is this really for us? They were also drifting away. They were drifting away from Jesus, drifting away from their faith, falling back and reverting. Not only that, they were also doing this other thing that he will challenge later on in the text, and he'll say that some of you have not been coming to the gathering of believers. And so as I think about this text, and I think about its relevance for today, I think that we're facing all of those same challenges. Is, it, is Jesus worth following? Is Jesus worthy of our trust and our faith? Is there some other way? I think about our uh, attendance, not attending the gathering, finding other options to do. I hesitated to bring this up because, you know, it might sound like the preacher's whining that nobody's showing up, and that's exactly what he is doing. It was okay for the Hebrews preacher to say it, and it's okay for me to say it. Come to church. If you're online, show up. That's what he's saying. Amen. Yeah, that was a little salty, wasn't it? <laughs> Let, tell me how you really feel. We want you here because we love you. Don't neglect the gathering. This is part of his message, and he's just throwing it down and saying, if we don't wake up, we're going to drift away. We're going to drift away, and we're going to drift apart, and then what do we have? Pay attention. Pay attention. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will say, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angel spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with oil of joy. He also says in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed. But you remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, 
so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received as just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. Let's talk for a moment about angels. Uh, I grew up watching Hollywood films, so I feel like an expert on angels. Uh, they are the ones that help you in the outfield. You know, when you just need a little lift to get you there, you know, and if you just flap your arms, they're there. You know they're there, ready to help you in your time of need. Uh, angels, if we look at from the world perspective, the angels, their purpose is to protect you uh, or help you catch baseballs or hit home runs, right? But the reality of the, the story of the Bible and the way we see angels working throughout the Bible, they're doing a lot of other things besides being in the outfield. Angels are, are proclaimers of truth. They advance God's purposes. We see them sort of first off in the book of Genesis. We have angels who announce uh, to, to Hagar that she is going to be pregnant. It seems like the, you know, the birth announcements that we have today, instead of on Facebook, the original birth announcements were angels. They would really shout from the rooftops and say, hey, Hagar, you're going to have a baby. She's, the baby's going to mess everything up, but hey, you're going to have a baby. And says to Sarah, uh, Sarah that you too are going to have a baby. We get it in the New Testament, telling Mary, hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Angels, they proclaim God's uh, agenda, God's advancement of his, of his promises. God is communicating his will through angels. They are messengers. They are bringers of good news. We see the angels in the New Testament right out of the gate. They are celebrating, proclaiming the birth of Jesus. They are uh, tools used by God, servants used by God to protect his people. We have an angel. It said one like a son of God. I think it was an angel. Maybe it was Jesus. I don't know. But uh, we weren't there. But there was the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and they wouldn't worship the bunny, the bunny idol. All right, anybody else watching VeggieTales these days, guys? Come on. Good grief, y'all. Get a little culture. All right, the bunny, the bunny. Oh, I love the bunny, right? That's a great song, really catchy. Nebuchadnezzar wanted them all worship the chocolate bunny, right? But Nebuchadnezzar throws them into the furnace. The furnace is scorching hot. Those that put them into the furnace, they all die. But there are the three men, and there is the angel, or the son, one like the Son of God, that's in the furnace with them and protecting them with them. The angel of the Lord's, uh, the angel of the Lord, become messengers of God, and they advance His purposes, and they protect His people, and they move about in God's way. The Hebrew preacher he opens his sermon by saying, "In the past, we heard God speak through His prophets." And we also heard God speak through his angels. It was the angels there. It was Moses burning the burning bush. It was an angel of the Lord in the burning bush. And 
God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, through an angel of the Lord. We have, uh, we have you know, Balaam and the donkey, and he sees the angel of the Lord, and he stops, and, and Balaam beats his donkey, and he's like, why are you beating the snot out of him? Listen up. An angel of the Lord was right in front of the donkey and speaking then to Balaam. God's purposes uh, are accomplished through the angels, and there's a message that they're trying to proclaim. And in the beginning, God spoke to them through angels, and he spoke to them through prophets. He says, all of this has been to advance God's purposes. All of this has been to awaken people to what God is doing, and now God is doing something new. In the past, he spoke through prophets, and he spoke through the angels, but now he has spoken to us through his Son. And this is incredibly important, that we would pay attention to this, that we would hear his voice and realize that God's no longer speaking through the prophet, he's no longer speaking through the angel, he's speaking for himself, through himself, on his behalf, and he is there, and he is present, and he is real. And he is speaking. You know... If someone of great influence walked into the room, we might take a moment and give pause, and we might wonder, why are they here? And just come strolling right in, and, and, and maybe come right up here to the front of the pulpit, and, and right in front of us uh, is someone of great influence and importance. I don't know what person to say, so it's not controversial, uh, But they come forward and you would pay attention, you would wonder, this dignitary, why are they here? What is it that they, what is on their mind that they feel so compelled to come all the way through and wander right up here and come up and, and come to little old Etna Green and say something to us? We would pay attention, right? That's the Hebrews preacher's point, is a dignitary has come, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he's come and shouldn't we be paying attention? We're Jordan in a factory going through the motions and not paying attention. Our minds have wandered. Our hearts have wandered. Our thoughts are in other places and we're thinking about other things. And this very important thing that has happened in the world and the Hebrews preacher is saying, the king of kings has arrived. The son of God. God has been speaking through prophets and angels and now he's speaking through his son. And after, he, after he's done all this, he's provided purification for sins. The very things that have separated us from God, they're done away with. And so not only do we get Jesus as king, but we also in this passage get that Jesus is a priest, that Jesus is the one that is opening the floodgates for you to go to God, that his grace is being poured out, that you are purified of your sins. I heard the greatest illustration about God's grace the other day. It was from Mark Lowry. He said, God's grace is like a little kid spreading peanut butter. He gets it all over everything. God's grace is all over. His grace is for you, and there's purification for your sins, and he loves you, and he laid his life down for you. Jesus is this great priest who welcomes you into the family of God and a life with God, and he provides purification for your sins. 
And after he has done all of this, he is seated at the right hand of God. He was with God in the beginning. He was the creator of everything. And God is speaking through him then, and he's speaking through him now. And the message is this. Right out of the gate, he is saying Jesus is superior, that Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than the angel who got the task of chilling out in the burning bush thinking, man, oh man, it's going to be great when we surprise Moses. And he's going to get a better job than proclaiming proclaiming any birth announcement. His job is going to be the announcement of a birth of a new creation, of a new heaven and a new earth with forgiveness of sins and a place for all people to have a new life. This is the Son's proclamation. This is why Jesus, the Messiah, is better than the angels because he proclaims a better message. He points to the message that is to come of a new heaven and a new earth, and he announces a message of Forgiveness and life and hope and mercy and love for all. Friends, Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than the angels. And if he is better than the angels, this is the conclusion of it. He says if he's better than that, if he's superior to the angels, then if what the angels were saying mattered a lot, it's not to say that they don't matter, right? Like, it all mattered. It was all really, 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 really important. But if it mattered that much, what the angels proclaimed, then how much more does it matter what Jesus, the Son of God, is proclaiming? And so then it takes it up to the highest of levels of importance, and so we need to then what? What is it, friends? Are you still there? Did I lose you? Pay attention. What is he saying? Wake up. Pay attention, or we might drift away. I imagine sometimes it's kind of like hopping in a boat, in a little motorboat, and you're just kind of, if you stop paying attention to what you're doing, you might not end up at the right fishing hole. Sometimes we sort of wander and we drift away. And the exhortation is to say, pay attention. Come back. And so I have one really important question for you. What is Jesus trying to say to you? What is he saying to you? What is he saying to you about your life? What is he saying to you about your priorities? What is he saying to you about your family or your friends? What is he saying to you about the way you conduct yourself and treat people? What is he saying about your involvement with the church? What is he saying about your walk with him? What is he saying about your study of his word? What is he saying to you? And if we're honest, sometimes it feels like radio silence, right? I've never had that experience, but maybe for you all. So hear the heart of this message. The angels were proclaimers of God's purposes. Jesus is a proclaimer of God's purposes. And that has not stopped. He's still speaking today. In fact, a dignitary came in this morning to speak to you. 
It is the Holy Spirit of God. In verse 2, 2, For this, since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation disobedient receives just punishment, how shall we escape it if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which is first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him, who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit it distributed according to his will. Do you believe the Spirit is here today? That a dignitary has come and he wants to say something to you. I pray that you would hear him. And you would hear the truth of what he has to say. That I believe you are loved. And you are treasured. And you have a place in God's family. Jesus is superior to the angels. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for the proclamation of your son, Jesus Christ, that the good news has come, that there is new life, that your kingdom is here. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you that we have freedom, that we have salvation, that we have the gift of life. And I pray, God, that as we listen to this sermon, preached a long time ago that we would still hear of its relevance today and that today in particular Lord you would help us to pay attention to you awaken our hearts to you and what you're doing help us see miracles help us to be a part of miracles help us Lord to listen to your spirit the dignitary that has come into our lives to speak truth and to Convict us of sin and lead us towards righteousness. Lord, stir in our hearts today that we would hear you and be open to you. Help us, Lord, to pay attention so that we don't drift away, that we don't drift apart, that we, we don't lose what we have in you. Lord, our hearts are prone to wandering. You've been dealing with humankind for a long time. You know our hearts are prone to wandering. But help us to know today that your grace is sufficient, that your love and your mercy is abundant, that you are faithful and steadfast and true. Lord, we proclaim along with the Psalms that your love endures forever. We praise you and love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.